open at 855-525-5683. So here's your host, David W. Coleman and Robert Webb. All right, what's happening? Welcome to the Thursday edition of Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with me if you want to join the show. I also want to remind you to download the Joinet radio app. Just go out to our website. You can download it on any platform. Uh, Instagram, well, Facebook, I was going to say Facebook, uh, uh, Android or Apple. Doesn't matter, of course, uh, uh, of course, you can catch the uh, podcast as well after the show. We upload all of them every day, and you can go back and look at some of the the your favorite ones, or maybe you want to get a get an idea of the tenor of this show. Just go out to your favorite podcast platform and download the podcast as well. A lot of stuff to talk about today. Of course, we'll get into all of that here in just a moment. Uh, Robert Webb, my uh, co-host, uh, we will see him tomorrow. Uh, he'll be back in town, spend some time in New Orleans. Let's say bon ton roule. If you don't know what that means, you had not been to New Orleans. <laughs> or let's say you haven't been there enough because you probably need to go more than one time to really get the crux of what that means, okay? Uh, uh, but uh, uh, like they say, let the good times roll. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to him tomorrow and see what's on his mind as well. Uh, we're going to talk election today, another dropout in the Democratic candidate. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about terrorism. Uh, so we'll get into a lot of stuff today as well. And I'm also going to call out an old friend of mine. And I mentioned him a bit yesterday. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference back to that article again. Because I think herein lies the problem with black people. Okay. Um, and it goes both ways, whether you're Democrat or Republican, but it's sad uh, that we, we allow, that we allow others to dictate what we believe as opposed to doing our own research and finding out exactly what it means as well. I'm also going to talk a little bit today about the Olive Garden. Have you, uh, heard that story? Are y'all eating at the Olive Garden? Of course, I'll share again. My horror story at the Olive Garden, although it didn't have anything to do with race, but then again, maybe it did because I never heard I never heard from them. I never got a result. So we'll talk about that as well. Certainly, uh, there is a tete-a-tete going on between uh, Chuck Schumer and the Chief Justice. And I'm going to point out the hypocrisy of the Chief Justice, uh, but it should not be a surprise. And it speaks more importantly why you all need to be getting to the polls. And lastly, we'll get into, and we've got a lot of stuff to cover here today, uh, but the Church of England is sorry for being deeply institutionally racist for the past 70 years. We're going to talk about that, okay? We're going to talk about that. <laughs> I'm laughing because that, that, that title of that, that article is just as perplexing as anything that you could ever wear, Okay. <laughs> For, uh, I'm just saying. 855-525-5683 is the number. Let's jump out and do a black fact. Dynamic black facts. Our culture, our history, our people. 
Oh, man, we got a lot of black facts that we were planning to do today, but I got to do this one. But we're going to do some more. And also, I'm going to give you uh, later on in the show. I'm, uh, in fact, once we get started, I'm going to read uh, part of the um, I'm going to read part of an excerpt from Letter of the Burning Birmingham Jail by Martin Luther King, Jr. Because it's fascinating to me that so many people want to tout Dr. King, but you don't really understand what he stood for. You think you do, but you don't. So let's go ahead and jump into this black fact because I love, and, and you know, I, I will tell you also, this morning I watched again the story called Uppity. You know, back then, and that is a story of Willie T. Ribs. And see, that word right there is a racist term. It's a racist terminology because back in the day when black people started feeling good about themselves and wanted to be treated equal, not better, but equal, the first thing that white people would call you was uppity. And if, when you watch the story of Willie T. Ribs, you know, every I've watched it twice now, and each time near the end, I almost come to tears because it's just sad. It, it it's just sad. So, uh, I, and I'll I'll give you my thoughts on that here in just a moment. But before we go ahead, let's go ahead and jump into our black facts. Vivian Thomas was a pioneering cardiac surgeon with no medical degree. Vivian Thomas did groundbreaking work in the field of cardiac medicine. Incredibly, he had no medical degree. Any time when over 2,000 people undergo uh, heart transplants each year in the United States and go on to live normal lives, it's hard to believe it wasn't that long ago when cardiac medicine was relatively a new field. Moreover, the story of two of the field's pioneers is perhaps more remarkable than any surgery they performed. Vivian Thomas was the son of a carpenter and grandson to a slave. He was born in Louisiana in 1910 and moved to Nashville as a child at a time when Jim Crow segregated blacks and whites. Yet he did not let the era's institutional racism deter him from his dream of attending Tennessee State College and then going to med going on to medical school. However, the Great Depression came and hit people regardless of color, class, and aspirations. All of the savings Thomas had built up from carpentry were wiped out. The young man did not give up hope just yet and applied for a laboratory, a laboratory assistant position at Vanderbilt University. He got the job. At first glance, the doctor for whom Thomas would be work, working seemed to embody the spirit of the Confederacy. Alfred Blaylock was born in Georgia and a distant cousin of Jefferson Davis. He had, he had been in a fraternity at the University of Georgia before going on to study surgery at Johns Hopkins University. Despite all of this, Blaylock was less interested in his potential assistant's skin color than his capacity to learn, stating 
He was looking for someone in the lab whom I can teach to do anything I can do and maybe do things I can't. Vivian Thomas learned out, learned out to be, turned out to be the perfect foil for Blaylock. He was able to translate the surgeon's outlandish seeming ideas into reality through detailed experiments. It wasn't long before the lab assistant, who lacked even just a college degree, was performing operations in the laboratory himself. He poured through medical textbooks all day and stayed up well into the night with Blaylock performing experiments. The laws that separated blacks and whites in the outside world did not exist inside the lab, and the two men worked as partners. Thomas noted, neither one of us ever hesitate to tell the other in a straightforward man-to-man manner what he thought or how he felt. In Blaylock, Thomas had a friend who was willing to stand up for him. Thomas's brother had previously sued the Nashville Board of Education for paying him a lower salary as a teacher because of his race. Although he won his lawsuit, he lost his job. When Thomas found out that after four years in the lab at Vanderbilt, he was still designated and compensated the same as a janitor despite doing the work as a senior research fellow. He went to Blaylock. A few weeks later, Thomas and a fellow black co-worker saw their paychecks increase. Thomas had to deal with the salary issues for years, but Blaylock consistently advocated for him. When Thomas was nearly forced to move back to Tennessee, when uh, after his brown, groundbreaking surgery because of the salary he was paid at John Hopkins Hospital was so low, Blaylock personally negotiated a new offer that meant his partner could not only stay, but would never have to worry about money again. In 1937, Blaylock was offered a position as a chairman at De- Detroit Hospital, which would have offered him a tremendous opportunity to conduct his own research. However, the hospital staunchly refused to hire blacks. Blaylock declined the offer, stating that he and Thomas were a package deal. When John Hopkins offered Blaylock a position as surgeon-in-chief a few years later, while allowing Thomas to join him, Blaylock accepted. The day Vivian Thomas first walked over to his new office in the hospital wearing a lab coat, he literally stopped traffic. As Thomas well knew, the only black men employed by hospitals at the time were janitors, but he and Blaylock continued their collaboration relatively free from concern. Then in 1944, they got, a, got the chance to show the world what they could do together. Treating Blue Baby Syndrome Blue babies are infants suffering from a heart defect that prevents blood from reaching their lungs. The resulting lack of oxygen causes the infant's extremities to turn blue. Eileen Saxon, one of the many blue babies born in the United States, was just 15 months old when her parents thought her, uh, brought her to John Hopkins to see what could be done to help her. Before baby Eileen, no doctor had even attempted to operate on the heart, so Blaylock shocked everyone when he declared that he was going to do just that. He would be the first doctor to attempt repairing a human heart. At the time, the surgery was not only impossible, but almost taboo, as Thomas put it. Nobody had fooled around with the heart before, so we had no idea what trouble we might get into. I asked the professor 
whether we couldn't find an easier problem to work on. He told me, Vivian, all the easy things have been done. He and Thomas were the only team in the world capable of performing the surgery, and at the end of the harrowing four, hour, four and a half hours, Eileen was healthy pink. During the historic operation, Blaylock insisted that Thomas be right behind him. The two men would not have been allowed to sit side by side on a bus, work together on a groundbreaking procedure in the history of medicine. At the time of Blaylock's retirement in 1964, more than 2,000 children had undergone the life-saving procedure at Hopkins. Thomas continued to work at Hopkins for another 15 years as director of surgical research laboratories. Although he never formally earned a medical degree, in 1976, Johns Hopkins University awarded him an honorary doctorate. Vivian Thomas died in 1985 at the age of 75, just a few days before the publication of his autobiography, Partners of the Heart. And that's our black fact for today. Keep listening to Black Focus Radio for more dynamic black facts, our culture, our history, our people on joinetradio.com. You know, as I read that, I mentioned the Willie T. Rib story, Uppity, that is now on YouTube. I mean, I'm sorry, that is now on Netflix. If you have not read, watched that piece. If you have not watched that piece, you must watch it. I knew about the story of Willie T. Ribs. I was an open wheel racing fan back in the day. <clears throat> Still am. Have always preferred that over NASCAR. I never could understand why NASCAR, and part of the reason I never became a NASCAR fan, although I loved racing, was because of that Confederate flag. But I followed Willie T. Ribs growing up because I was a, you know, back in the day you had two, there were two, um, um, I guess you'd say, sides when it came to model cars and and cars in general you know hot wheels and there was johnny lightning hot wheels still exist today johnny lightning you can find those model cars on the internet in places i was a johnny lightning fan because al unser was the spokesman al unser drove at the indianapolis 500 so I became an open wheel fan and I was fortunate enough to actually witness an open wheel race a few years ago in Nashville when they had the track just just fantastic. I was a kid in a candy store. But Willie T. Ribs went through so much to the point where they were giving him faulty equipment. They were they they were literally trying to have him to die on the track. And this man persevered. And as I read that story about Vivian, Vivian Thomas, I couldn't help but to think about the problems and the pain and the suffering that our people have went through just to be equal. None of us have wanted anything special. 
I don't want anything special. I just want to be treated equal. That's what Willie T. Ribs wanted. That's what Vivian Thomas wanted. And if it wasn't for his mentor, we would have not known about Vivian Thomas. And th- and therein lies another another thing that we have to address. I've said over and over on this show that it is important that if we are going to get rid of racism, then white people have got to stand up. Black people can't get rid of racism because black people didn't create racism. Let me say that again. Black people didn't create racism, so we can't get rid of racism. But here we have in this story about Vivian Thomas, a relative of Jefferson Davis. Yes, that Jefferson Davis, who waged war on the United States, who became a traitor. A relative of Jefferson Davis, who decided that he was going to support Thomas Vivian. You see, Alfred Blaylock, he didn't see color. He saw a brilliant young man who had the desire to learn and heal. He didn't say all because he's poor. He didn't say all because he's black. He didn't say all because he's from Tennessee that he didn't have the capacity to learn. Alfred Blaylock decided that, hey, I'm going to support this black man regardless because it was he who stood up with me. And I, I relay that story with the story of Willie T. Ribs because it was finally one white man who said that we're going to support you and we're going to go we're going to go as deep as we can and it's amazing that you know you laugh about Bill Cosby in that story but if it wasn't for Bill Cosby Willie T Ribs would have never ever qualified for the Indianapolis 500 in 1991 so again i i will say again if you're really tired of racism, because see, I know black people are. If you're really tired of racism, I know my friends are. If you're really tired of racism, then white people have got to stand up. And you've got to get as tired of it as I am. But unfortunately, Not enough of you all are. There are quite a few of you out there. But there's not enough of you out there that has really become sick and tired of racism. Because if you were, you wouldn't allow people that you call your friends to come to your house and make racist remarks. You would not vote for a racist candidate. You would not vote for a Donald Trump. So when you get tired of racism, white people, It'll go away. You can't blame a black man for racism because black people didn't create racism. 
we are victims of racism. And it's fascinating to me that there are actually black people out there who will attempt that. I'm going to give you an example. I called him out yesterday, and I'm going to call him out again today because I was so annoyed with this young man. See, I know this man. I went to high school with him. His name is Calvin Hammonds. And if Calvin is listening to the show today, Calvin, you're more than welcome to call and speak your piece. Or anytime you want to come on the show and speak your piece, I'd like to hear it. Because, see, to me, I've said over and over again, you have the right to choose what you want to be. But that doesn't mean that that buoys you from criticism. You, I tell people all the time that me as a, a purveyor of the First Amendment, someone who has spent his life, the last 35 years of his life, talking on the radio, clearly I'm for the First Amendment. And you should be too. And you have the right to speak your mind. But here's the thing that you have to learn about the First Amendment. Although you speak your mind relating to the First Amendment, that doesn't keep you from criticism, especially if you say something stupid. So I posted this article a while back, and it's from the outgoing governor that was, let's see, this was, I'm trying to get a date on it. Mm, this was the outgoing governor before the first of the year. Okay. This is from Governor Phil Bryant. He said, I intend to work for Sidney Hyde Smith as if the fate of America depended on her single election. If Mike Espy and the Liberal Democrats gain the Senate, we will take that first step into a thousand years of darkness. Here's a white man from Mississippi who is simply saying that if a black man wins the Senate, we will move into a thousand years of darkness. Now, now be aware that Mike Espy has been an elected official from Mississippi once before. Although he would become the first black senator from Mississippi in 139 years. Now, you're probably asking, David, what's your point here? By the way, Phil Bryan is rumored, and many people say that he is the cousin of the white lady who accused Emmett Till of whistling at her, who later came out and said he never did anything. A thousand years of darkness. Here's why I'm bringing this up. Because my, my friend, Calvin Hammond, who was a preacher, who was a black preacher, 
said this on this post. It doesn't sound like he was prejudiced, but just speaking of the wickedness agenda of the Democratic Party. Now, I understand the crux of what he's trying to say. But when a black person speaks of wickedness of one party and avoids the wickedness of another party, especially what is currently going on, therein lies the problem that we are facing in our community. Because, see, I have no doubt that this particular guy, I don't know this to be true, I'd be curious to 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 find out who pays his salary. Does his church or does the Southern Baptist Convention? I responded to him just quickly. Dude, put the crack pipe down. And many people agreed. Because, see, I've told you over and over again that our leadership has failed us. And when I say our leadership, I say black leadership. Black leadership is running towards white dollars faster than a gopher for a peanut. They have failed us and they have sold us out. That's why you are seeing so many young black people have abrasive attitudes toward black leaders. You're seeing it over and over again. Now, we can sit and have revisionist history, but see, many black leaders were so interested in integration, they didn't even begin to quantify the destruction that it would cause to the black community. See, they thought just being white would make us right. See, subconsciously, they didn't even believe in themselves because white supremacy had affected their mindsets. Okay? We're going to talk to Biden here in just a Talk about Biden here in just a moment, guys. But Calvin Hammond and preachers like him are to the detriment of the black community. And I'm sorry to say that. But if we are going to be what we are subscribed and prescribed and and have wanted to be, then we got to get rid of folks like him. Now, I don't mean physically, but I mean that that guy should not be in a pulpit. That guy should not be leading anyone. He, oh, he might be a good person. But you're, being a good person is not what you say, it's what you do. And when you are a leader, if you're leading your people to virtual slaughter, then you're not a good leader. We've got to start pointing that out. And again, I typically don't use, and this is, don't take this as a personal attack because that's, what, that's not what this show is all about. 
See, I can attack your issues. I can ex- attack your stance. I can attack your speech and not take it personal. You can do the same to me. In fact, I invite you to debate me on the facts. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, many people can bait. They want to debate, but they don't want to debate on the facts. And that's typically what Republicans are doing. Remember the story I read the other day, two days ago, where it says, if you are watching Fox News, you are getting more lies from that news channel than anybody else. And the demographics that watch that news, the majority of them are 65 and older and are white males. You see, Fox News says that, hey, look at our ratings. Look at how many people watch us. That doesn't mean that you're right. Hell, a lot of people watch baseball, but guess what? Baseball is the third leading watch sport in America. And it's slipping. You know why? Because it has older demographics. So we as people have got to say, see, here's the problem. If you have a leader that says, I, 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 as opposed to we, 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 and I'm not speaking French, then you got a a leader that's a problem. You see that every day at a press conference with Plotus, the pathological liar of the United States, which just lied again. Told people that, oh, if you get the coronavirus, you can go to work. And then just today he says, oh, I never said that. The pathological liar of the United States. He knows more than everybody. Doctors, lawyers, generals. He knows it all. The same person that bankrupt multiple companies. But we can only blame ourselves. Those of you who didn't vote, blame yourself if your situation is not getting better. Those of you who did vote but only voted because that was your friend, blame yourself. We have got to start taking a critical look at people that we put in office. Let me give you another example of why that's important. Because these numbers are going to shock you. And by the way, Calvin Hammond, you're more than welcome to call the show. And you're more than welcome to come and sit here and debate me. But one thing I will not allow, if you pass out, that you're passing out falsehoods of the Republican Party. We're going to talk facts. We're going to talk facts. Let me give you something that's going to shock you. And then I want to read some excerpts from the Birmingham, from Martin Luther King and the letter from the Birmingham jail. Because, again, we've seen our leaders literally bastardize Dr. King's memory for their own political purposes, both white and black. When we should be going back and understanding what Dr. King was talking about all along. But those of you out there who think your leaders are doing so great, your politicians are doing so great, think about all the tax cuts that they've been getting for corporate America. And think about 
just right here in Arkansas, in the last election cycle, the citizens of Arkansas, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, you name it, voted for a $15 pay increase, a livable wage, because no one can live on $7.25 an hour, whatever the minimum wage is. The state legislators at the state capitol said, oh, no, we don't give a damn what the people say. We're going to vote against that. We're going to change that. Every one of them that voted against the minimum wage should be voted out of office. Let me give you an example. Since 1978, your boss's income has rose 937%. Your income, regular Joe Blow, your income has only risen 5.7%. And you know what they do? They blame minorities. They've got you blaming minorities. They're, they're saying that because the reason you're not successful is because of the blacks or the Hispanics. Here's, here's, let, let me be more specific. The reason white people aren't successful is because of the blacks. And then they got blacks saying the same thing. The reason black people aren't success, successful is because of the Hispanics. And it's just a circular firing squad, and you're in the middle and they're laughing all the way to the bank. Yet you continue to reelect these same old people. Whether they Democrat or Republican. See, what you have to understand and what you have to find is the leadership in you. Everybody is a leader. That doesn't mean you can lead a throng of people. Sometimes you have to just lead yourself. And what is going on right now in the party, in these parties, is an abomination. 937 percent since 1978. And your income has only increased 5.7 percent. Yet you continue to reelect the same old yahoos, whether they are Democrat or Republican. And think they're going to do good by you. 1978. You hear what I'm saying? That's over 50 years. Are you telling me that in 50 years, the income of regular Americans has only risen 5.7%? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And we are insane as the American people. And certainly black people are insane. My God. What are we doing? You see, this is why I've been telling you that right now you need to vote against anything and everything that look and act like a Republican. Now, you say, well, wait a minute. That means you're contradicting yourself, David. That means you're going to vote for a Democrat. Yeah, I'm going to vote for a Democrat this round. Because you know what we ought to do now is that we got to prove to the Democrats that you need our vote. Just Super Tuesday alone, Biden got over the hump in South Carolina because of the black vote, not the Hispanic vote. And you know what Biden has said? That his number one priority is going to be LGBT rights. Wait a minute. How many of them voted for your ass? We made you the comeback kid, yet 
you said your priority is LGBT and not black folks. Hmm. Massa, we sick. So with that being said, because I want to read part of this letter. Because it is important for us to understand. You didn't see those who don't know the history are doomed to repeat it. I want to read the part of this letter by Dr. King. Because, see, I've been telling you all for years that many people who run around and, and tout Dr. King, they pick and choose what they want to say about Dr. King. They don't want to give the full story because Dr. King was a radical. Dr. King was a revolutionary. And the white world has tapped down his legacy. And many black people have bought into that tapping down of Dr. King's legacy. All you got to do is read April 12th, 1963. This article was posted in the Washington Post and it says, Dr. King scorned for white moderates in a letter from the Birmingham jail. Here's Dr. King. We know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Those first two sentences alone are profound. Frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I have heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. We must come to see with one of our distinguished jurists that justice too long delayed is justice denied. We have waited for more than 340 years for our constitutional and God-given rights. The nations of Asia and Africa are moving with jet-like speed toward gaining political independence, but we still creep at a horse and buggy pace toward gaining a cup of coffee at a lunch counter. In comes Olive Garden. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Perhaps it is easy for us, for those who never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait. But when you have seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your brothers and sisters at whim, when you have seen hate-filled police curse, kick, and even kill your black brothers and sisters, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of the affluent society when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on TV and see tears welling up in her eyes when she is told that Funtown is closed to colored children. And see ominous clouds of inferiority beginning to form in her little mental sky. And see her beginning to distort her personality by developing an unconscious bitterness toward white people when you have to concoct 
an answer for a five-year-old son who is asking, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? When you take a cross-country drive and find it necessary to sleep at night, after night, in an uncomfortable corners of your automobile because no motel will accept you when you are humiliated day in and day out by nagging signs reading white and colored when your first name becomes nigger, your middle names becomes boy, however ho how old you are, and your last name becomes John, and your wife, your mother, your and your and your wife and mother are never given respect title Mrs. when you are harried by day and hunted by night by the fact that you are a Negro living constantly at tiptoe stands, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with inner fears and out of resentment when you are forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. Dr. King goes on to say, first I must confess that over the past few years I have gravely disappointed, I have been gravely disappointed with white moderates. Let's just stop right there. Dr. King wrote this letter in 1964. We've been, we've been, excuse me, in 63, we've been living with the love of white moderates for almost 60, 75 years. And not much has changed. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate like Joe Biden, I added that, who is more devoted to order than justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek. Joe Biden says that. But I cannot agree with your methods or direct action. Who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom. Who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm warm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. Damn. Dr. King speaks. Let me read that one sentence again because the whole letter, if you've never read the entire letter, the letter is so profound. But this one sentence, when I, I remember reading this years ago when I was like, wow, 
shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Wow. So where do we go from here? Yeah, I know. I told you. I'm going to vote Democrat and I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. But I'm asking you, my brothers and sisters, white, black, Latino, Asian, it doesn't matter. Where is the leadership in you? Where is that leadership that will stand up and say, we've had enough? Where is that leadership in you that will simply say how you're treating those people over there is wrong? Where is that leadership in you that will challenge a media who continues to push out negative stereotypes about black people and people who don't fit the mold? Where is that leadership in you? That's profound, my brothers and sisters. We're, we're in a critical, critical stage. And if we're not careful, we're not careful, it's going to get worse. And black people say, well, oh, well, it can't get any worse for me. Oh, yeah, it can. Because if you say that, then you don't have any sense of history. And the reason I know you don't have any sense of history, because many of the things that were being repeated then, if you listen to some of the things I read from that 1963 letter, some of those same things are still going on today. See, I know, I know you can go and eat at those restaurants. But then you read the story from the Olive Garden over the weekend where the black waitress, who was verbally attacked in the Olive Garden, And instead of the Olive Garden kicking out that racist patron and demanding that you never come back, they changed her server. You all didn't hear this story? Black server walks up. This guy demanded, this woman demanded that, hey, look, I don't want a black person serving me. It's an ugly story. And instead of the manager saying, look, this is her section, She can serve anybody she wants. We will not tolerate bigotry and racism in this company. They capitulated to that one person. It's so frustrating because one of the the hostess, she was black, and the waitress was black. See, I've been one of those people who waited tables, and I was the only black person on the floor. I remember when I first opened a Holiday Inn right there at the airport when it was called the Brandywine. See, y'all don't know that I was a, one of the first persons hired. I was the head waiter, and I I, I was waiting on a, 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 on a white guy, a tabletop of eight. I remember it so well, and they were in Little Rock because the Arkansas Razorbacks were playing at War Memorial, and we stayed open late so we could get some of the Razorback crowd. And we got this eight top. And I came out and introduced myself and I asked the question, I said, hey, look, 
Uh, I'm David Coleman. Wait, can't wait. To, glad to be your waiter. Bought them drinks. Brought them whatever they needed. Then began to take their orders. What would you like on your salad, sir? He said, I want a little black bitch. And I looked at him sternly and I said, well, sir, we don't have any of those for your salad. Now, to show you how bold he was, he was there with three other couples, his wife sitting right beside him. He tells me that he wants a little black bitch on his salad. I said, sir, well, we don't have any of those for your salad. And I immediately walked away. And he screamed at me. He said, hey, well, aren't you going to finish taking my order? I didn't turn. I immediately went straight to my manager. I will tell you his name. His name is Bob Stackhouse. I have tremendous respect for him. Because when I went back and told Bob Stackhouse what I, what I had just encountered, Bob didn't tell me to get over it. Bob didn't tell me, oh, it's going to be okay. Bob immediately went out and dressed down that guy, that entire table. And then he comes back to me and said, hey, look, I can put another serve on that table if you want, but I would prefer that you, you are the best that we have here. That particular guy is a VIP in the state of Arkansas. He apologized profusely. And I promise you at the end of that, of your service, you're going to be taken care of. Bob Stackhouse didn't say, hey, it's going to be all right. He just playing. Although I haven't seen Bob in years, I'm still considered, I still consider him a dear friend. In fact, it was he who helped me get moved to Memphis, a white guy. If not for Bob Stackhouse, I probably would have never moved to Memphis. And ended up working at being one of two black waiters at one of the best restaurants in Memphis at the time, Captain Bilbo's. Oh, yeah, I've been the only black for a long time. I was the only black waiter waiting tables at Houston's. I would wait tables at Houston's during the day and Captain Bilbo's at night. So what's my point? See, if Olive Garden wasn't so reeked with racism, they would have stood up for their employee. And see, if I'm that employee, I'm looking for another job now. Because it's pretty clear that Olive Garden doesn't care about them. Let me tell you another story that happened to me at Olive Garden right here in Little Rock. The Olive Garden on Rodney Parham. I still have the video floating around somewhere. I stumbled upon it a couple of months ago. Went for a business meeting at Olive Garden. And they brought my salad out. While I'm talking, I'm cutting my salad, and I noticed that, hey, this salad is kind of tough to cut. I dig deeper into the salad, and guess what I find is a prep glove. If you don't know what a prep glove, those are the little plastic gloves that they now require food service workers to wear. 
I don't know if it's a requirement, but most companies do make them wear them. I dug further into the salad. There was another. There were two prep gloves in there. I called the manager over, who was a white lady. I said, is this how you all normally serve your salads? She said, oh, we'll get you another one. Oh, no. I don't want another one. She goes on to say that, oh, I know how that got in there. So that what that tells me that it has happened before. She says our prep gloves are above our salad station and your, the glove fell in out of the box. I don't know that to be sure, but the bottom line is that I had two pieces of plastic in my salad. Now, the appropriate thing to do if I were a manager, I would have said, hey, sir, hey, I'm really sorry. We're going to comp your meal and anything else you need, let me know. They didn't do that. We ended up leaving. I reached out to Darden Restaurants because that's who owned the Olive Garden at the time. And I do believe that they still own that restaurant based in Florida. Sent them the video, sent them text, never heard back from them. I wasn't doing that because I wanted something free. Hell, Olive Garden is cheap. It's cheap Italian. I can make my own Italian food. In fact, I worked for years in high school at the Villa Restaurant, learned Italian. Those of you who know, I cook. I've been cooking. I can make my own Italian food. That happened three years ago. By that time, I had been a chef. I had been a waiter. I had been a kitchen manager. There was nothing that was at the Olive Garden that I could make. So I certainly didn't want a freebie. I just wanted some respect. And in those particular cases, the only real way that you can give respect is take care of your customer. So the issue at the Holiday Inn here in Little Rock, when that meal was done and I gave them impeccable service, I walked out of there with a $150 tip. You get that, right? At the Olive Garden, I walked out of there frustrated because there was a white manager who didn't give a damn that I, I was a black man, was frustrated because he had two gloves in his salad, and nor did your major company. So what I hear, when I hear stuff like this happening at the Olive Garden, I am not surprised. And by the way, I have never been back. I don't care if it's a different Olive Garden. In fact, I don't go to Red Lobster. You know why I don't go to Red Lobster? It's because it's owned by Darden Restaurants out of Florida. Or at least it was. The same people that own the Olive Garden. You're not going to get my money. So what I'm saying with all of this is that you have to decide what you're going to do about bigotry and racism. You cannot allow someone else to be your barometer. And if we all stand up, I'm reminded of a picture that I've seen often where there are big fat cats playing a board game and the table are human beings. And the caption says, and the game that they're playing is Monopoly. And the caption says, all you got to do is stand up. And that's what we've got to do. 
We're going to take our first break. Well, we're going to take our top of the hour break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Black Focus Radio. Man, that letter from a Birmingham jail was fire. Please go out and read it. I'll be back in a moment. Are you looking for a place to exchange ideas and talk about the issues that affect our community? Then join me, David W. Coleman, and my co-host, Robert Webb, for Black Focus Radio. Every Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. on joinedradio.com. We like to say, it's our issues, our solutions, our voices. Download the latest podcast on your favorite platform. Also catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinedradio.com. Hello to quality time at Marco's. Hello to being a game changer and original. And to those who make it authentic, we say hello with the Founder Select Pizza, Old World Pepperoni, Sliced Italian Sausage, Mushrooms, on dough made fresh every day, and a sauce from the original Giamarco recipe. Hello to an Old World Original. Every store, every day, the Italian way. Hello, Primo. Did you know that 9 out of 10 people like chocolate? And the 10th person always lies. If you're that 10th person, guess what? We've got the special place for you. It's Coco Bell Chocolates. Coco Bell's handcrafted artisan products inspired by southern desserts for a nostalgic taste. For yourself or for the perfect gift, give us a call at 501-943-7570. That's Coco Bell Chocolates. Find out more about our direct services and ordering at CocoBellChocolates.com. Hi, this is Alvin from Habibi's 4317 East Broadway in North Little Rock. We still have the green top at your very next stop. The same great service, but more of it. Give us a call, 501-663-1553 or 664-2992. Or call our toll-free number, 1-877-HABIBI-1. Diapers, pull-ups, hospital beds, wheelchairs, Simply Fit, diabetic supplies, underpads, and more. Your durable medical supply center. Hello to quality time at Marco's. Hello to the best part of the day and to making someone else's. Say hello to late nights and to the best night ever. These are the primo moments, and they call for Italian quality pizza. Dough made from scratch every day. Sauce with a history in the making from the original Giamarco recipe. Say hello to an authentic favorite. Every store, every day, the Italian way. Hello, primo. You got it. England and East Little Rock's answer to your aggravation. The Joy Network. Now, 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 now. 
Welcome to Black Focus, the show designed with our community in mind, where we focus on our issues, developing our solutions, using our voices. Central Arkansas, surrounding areas, and the nation. Get ready. Black Focus starts right now. Phone lines open at 855-525-5683. So here's your host, David W. Coleman and Robert Webb. Welcome back to Black Focus Radio, our issues, our solutions, our voices. 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with me if you want to join the show. Tons of stuff to continue to talk about. You know, there are a lot of people who say, well, you know, politics won't affect me. I disagree with my co-host. That he says that regardless of who's elected, his neighborhood is going to be the same. Well, theoretically it will be. But the underpinnings of your neighborhood is being destroyed when you continue to allow people to run for office and get elected to office that have none of your interest at heart. And the only way we can stop that is that we have got to become more informed. There is, I, I, I just simply don't understand why so many people have so much access to knowledge and refuse to even read. You know what? I could almost buy your argument that, hey, well, I don't read or I, I don't go to the library because I don't have transportation. It's not open at convenient hours. All those excuses. I can't afford to buy books. Books are expensive. I can't do like you, Dave, and spend all that money on books. I've, although I was raising a family, instead of buying that six-pack that Friday, I bought a book or two. Instead of buying that fifth of liquor, I bought a book or two. But what, I, what perplexes me and continues to perplex me is that so many people just sit around and accept the status quo. I'm not that person. That ought to be pretty obvious to many of you now. That's not me. I, I, I can't accept the status quo. When I see something that's wrong, I got to speak out about it. That's what I do here on this show every day. I'm not, if I hurt your feelings, then maybe you ought to examine what I'm saying and not your feelings. This is perplexing to me that we continue to allow these people to go to our state houses and to D.C. and treat us like crap. I mean, that statistic that I just gave you. <laughs> It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. Because when you look at it, you begin to understand exactly what's going on. And we have leaders who allow this to continue to happen. It's mind-boggling to me, man. It's frustrating. 
we have to stand up. We have to stand up. Other news, Elizabeth Warren is out of the race. That was the person that was backing for a presidency. In fact, I think she's the better of all of them that were running. But unfortunately, for whatever reasons, nobody voted for her. What's next? Does Elizabeth Warren put her support behind Bernie Sanders? I wish she would. See, I, I know what Democrats are saying. Man, we can't have Bernie Sanders. They're not. See, they, they were not concerned. And I want to read you something. Let me, let me get back to this article that I was reading in the break. Because Democrats would rather have Donald Trump. And I'm beginning to believe this. I, I did not believe it at first, but I'm beginning to believe that Democrats would rather have Donald Trump than Bernie Sanders. Look at how they've coalesced behind Biden. Are y'all paying attention? It makes no sense to me. It really doesn't. Biden is a status quo guy. He doesn't care about regular folks. Yesterday, we went through a litany of things that Biden had done to black people, yet black people are loving him hook, line, and sinker. I don't understand that. And see, the reason I'm telling you all to vote, it is important that, see, even though you vote Democratic, here's the opportunity to send a message. Let's say, for instance, we turn the Senate with our votes. Let's say we do beat Donald Trump. The Democrats are happy about that. But at the end of the day, should they be? Because at that point, we need to do like Martin Luther King said. We're coming to get our checks. So, yeah, I'm telling folks to vote Democratic. I'm doing that on purpose. But that doesn't mean I'm a Democrat. What it means is that I want to send a message. Because, see, since 1978, we've had Democrats and Republicans in office. Our wages have not went up. I need to read this to you again. Your boss's income has risen at 937%. Your income has only risen 5.7%. Tell me again how Democrats are better than Republicans. See, that's an argument that will knock both of them down, Democrats and Republicans, because since 78, we've had Democratic presidents and we've had Republican presidents. And your income since 1978 as a regular working Joe Stiff has only risen 
Okay? Who's fooling who? Eight five 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 two five five six eight three is the number. That's how you get in touch with us. You see, let me give you another example. Although Chris Matthews is now gone, but I'm gonna give you an example of what I mean by the establishment doesn't want Bernie Sanders to win. And you know, I'm one of those people who run against the grain. Y'all have probably figured that out by now. When everybody's saying something is good for you, sometimes you have to take a pause and ask the question, are they really telling me what's good for me or is it good for them? Here's what Chris Matthews said when Bernie was really running away. Because see, corporate media, and and, and remember, just think about it, you may not follow the stock market. But if you do, go back and look how the stock market was going up and down. They claimed that it was because of the coronavirus. No, it wasn't. It was because of Bernie Sanders was running away with those elections. And they were scared. Corporate America, Wall Street, was afraid of Bernie Sanders winning. So what happened? I would not doubt if they influenced the stock market so it would crash. At one point late last week, it was down 1,000 points. And then here comes Super Tuesday. Joe Biden wins, or at least he gets the majority of the delegates, and all of a sudden the stock market jumps back up. And part of the reason Chris Matthews is no longer on MSNBC is because of some of the craziness that he was touting. You even heard many of CNN, MSNBC, CBS, all of them, Running interference for Joe Biden. I read a piece by Soledad O'Brien when she talks about how she was treated when, when she was dealing with police brutality against black males and how she ultimately ended up losing her job. Corporate media didn't want her talking about what was really fact, and that was police were wantonly killing black males. She goes in her piece, she talks about how she interviewed black mothers from all socioeconomic backgrounds, black mothers and fathers. And they all had the same message about how you deal with police officers. And she was called into the office of her boss and her boss began to chastise her because he said, well, white parents give the same advice to their white teens. No. Driving while black and driving while white are two distinctly different things. So ultimately, Soledad O'Brien was fired or she was removed. This woman had won Emmys. She had won Peabody Awards. If you are a news outlet, when you've got that type of credibility, you don't just wantonly fire them. She wasn't towing the party, the party line. And neither does, Barry, the, does Bernie Sanders. Here's what Chris Matthews says. I was, I'm wondering whether the Democratic moderates want Bernie Sanders to be president. Maybe that's too exciting to, of a question to ask. 
They don't like Trump at all. Do they want Bernie Sanders to take over the Democratic Party in perpetuity? If he takes it over, he sets the direction of the future of the party. Maybe they'd rather wait four years and put a Democrat that they like. Did you hear what I just said? This is Chris Matthews. He's plugged into Washington, D.C. He's been in Washington literally all his life. Let me read this part again. If he takes over, he sets the direction of the party, the future of the party, for in perpetuity. Maybe they'd rather wait four years and put in a Democrat that they like. Left wing and a right wing is part of the same bird. And that's why I'm supporting Bernie Sanders. Now, again, if Donald Trump wins, I mean, if uh, Joe Biden wins, I'm going to vote for Joe. I'm going to, let me put it this way, I'm going to hold my nose and vote for Joe. Because I've got some serious problems with Joe Biden. See, Martin Luther King was talking about Joe Biden when he wrote part of that letter from the Birmingham jail. He was talking about these white liberals who seem to be on black sides, but they're always telling you to wait. It's not time yet. We're not ready for that yet. Just vote for me, and I'll I'll do some things for you, but let's not push that agenda. You see, Joe Biden don't want to talk about reparations. Joe Biden don't want to talk about amnesty for all of those young black males that he caused to be put in jail because of his onerous crime bill. Joe Biden doesn't want to talk about him supporting Southern segregationists to stop busing. Joe Biden doesn't want to talk about that. Joe Biden wanna, doesn't want to talk about how he did march in the 60s with leaders. But we can certainly know, we certainly know that Bernie Sanders marched with Dr. King. We know that. We know that Joe Biden is for socialism for his buddies. We know that he's he's for socialism for the farmers. We know he's for socialism for Wall Street. We know he's for socialism for the banking industry and the oil industry. But he's not for helping the people that put him in office. Again, I'm going to ask you a question. I started asking that question yesterday. And my Democratic friends are probably upset with me because they're probably saying, why are you dogging Joe when you're not dogging Donald? I dog Donald Trump every day. As a matter of fact, all you got to do is listen to him. He'll dog himself. But as I was saying to you earlier about the library, where people use excuses not to educate themselves, now today you have all of this stuff that you can use to educate yourselves and you allow people like Joe Biden, the Democrat and Republican Party 
to treat you like chattel. That's what you do. That's what you do. And those of us who dare to speak out, those who those of us who dare and not not personal attack, but attack on your policies. You ostracize us. You say something's wrong with us because we don't believe in the status quo. Well, look what the status quo has gotten the black man today. I still fear driving my car. I still fear a taillight going out and losing my life as a black man. And every black man in America fears that. He might pretend that he doesn't, but he does. I just saw a video from New York where a young man was in the park after 9 o'clock. Police approached him. He ended up being pounded into the turf by eight different police officers for simply being in the park for after nine o'clock. He didn't break any laws. They just beat him up. What is Joe Biden going to do about that? Joe Biden is a he's a strong crime, crime uh, and police advocate. How do I know that? The 1994 crime bill. What are we to do? I would love for Elizabeth Warren to coalesce behind Bernie Sanders. Let's make this split a split. We need a different party. We need more than two parties. We don't need Democrat or Republican. You know, part of the reason that so many Democ- so many black people have jump- jumped on Michael Bloomberg, part of the reason so many black people have left the Democratic Party and become independent, part of the reason many of them are, sm- are supporting Donald Trump is that in their hearts they understand that they need something different. And they're being battered about. They're like a tennis ball. This, this election cycle you're going to be Republican. This election cycle, you're going to be Democrat. And they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I think black people are tired of that. In fact, I know they are. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders should coalesce behind one another, start another political party, because I would argue that there are less people that are Democrats and Republicans than there are independents in this country. I don't agree with everything the Democrats do. I don't agree with everything that the Republicans do. But I agree with some things. I'll give you an example. Asa Hutchison just recently commuted a young black woman. Well, she's not young anymore. A a black woman who killed her husband because he was beating her, according to the reports. Asa Hutchison, who is a Republican, who you know I do not care for, and have stated it stated here, stated it on this show more than once. I appreciate what he did for the young for the black woman who is now 72 years old in poor health, who has been in prison literally all her life and is blind. I appreciate the fact that he's commuted her sentence. See, there are some things that we have common ground. But your overall policies is where 
I break from you. And the overall policies of Republicans, the overall policies of Democrats have not benefited the regular working Joe. Let me go back to those numbers again because these numbers are important. Since 1978, your bosses and corporate CEOs, their income has increased 597%. The regular working person, their income has only increased 5.7%. I rest my case. The Democrats and Republicans don't give a damn about the working people. They do nothing more than pit you and I against one another. And they laugh all the way to the bank. Go ahead and look at where what is their net worth. I've asked you to do this before. Pull up the net worth of your congressman. Find out where he was when he first got the job and find out where he is now. Um, that If that doesn't say anything to you, that tells you that Democrats and Republicans don't care about individual people. They care about those people who are going to benefit from them so they can keep getting those campaign finances. They've corrupted. Al Green in Texas right now is being shredded. Member of the, 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 the National Black Caucus, the Congressional Black Caucus. He's being shredded because he literally went into Congress broke, and now he is worth over $5 million. Where did that money come from, Al? And let me ask you a question. Why is it that you are not speaking out on black issues? Whew, Lord have mercy. This is a joke. And will the foil. I'm tired. I'm tired. You're all about to fall right back into the same trap that you've been in all your life. And you all don't get it. You all don't get it. A couple other things I want to talk about before we get out of here today. We'll, we'll, we've got plenty of time to talk politics. But keep your eye on Elizabeth Warren. Is she really tired of the status quo? Will she coalesce behind Bernie Sanders? You're exactly right, Dr. Quinn. I've never heard Al Green say anything on behalf of black people either. In fact, the 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 Black Caucus has been literally absent without leave, the Congressional Black Caucus, on black issues. Again, part of the reason that young people, young black people, it's the same that it's the same why many of them are leaving the church is that those people that are in power, the black church, our black politicians, they don't represent what we stand for. And the sad thing about it, I'm of the age of many of them. 
I'm of the I'm in the same I'm I'm on the tail end of the baby boomers. But I certainly understand the sentiments of young black professionals and how they've turned a blind eye and how they've turned their backs on politics as a whole. The only thing that I want to tell them is that you can't do that. You've got to you've got to speak up. You've got to speak up and say, hey, this dog don't hunt for me. You are my representative. Although I attend your church, I expect you to speak and talk about the issues that affect me. Although you are a Democrat and I vote Democrat, I expect you to speak and talk about the issues that affect me. Even though you're an elected black official, just because you elected does not mean you have the right, the privilege to go to whatever house that you were elected to and ignore the issues that affect black people. My God. Woo! Oh, man, this is crazy. This is crazy. But we allow them to do this, folks. We allow them to do it because guess what? Number one, we don't go to the polls. Number two, when we go to the polls, we don't hold them accountable. A black person gets in office, first thing we do is, oh, we, we don't want to say anything bad about them. You know, it's been so long, we, we ain't never had a black in that office. We ain't never had a black in that office. So we don't criticize them. We don't take them to task. We don't do any of those things. And they sit in that office and they simply become your opposition. And they'll come to you and talk about how black they are. But when you look at what they're actually doing for black people, nada. But you know what? It's not their fault. It's our fault. Because we keep voting for them. We don't hold them to task. You're right, Dr. Quinn, just looking the part doesn't get it done. You know, uh, and, you know, that, that what you just said is so profound. Let me give an example. All of us have watched television and seen food commercials, right? And have you noticed how that food, like, let's, let's, let's take a burger, for example. When you watch television and you see those, that food on TV, man, it looks so good. It's all shiny and glistening and, oh, it's so appetizing. But then when you go to that prospective restaurant, that, that same sandwich doesn't look the same as it did on TV. You know why? Because a lot of times that food that is in that ad is plastic. It's fake. <laughs> Just looking the part ain't going to get it, Dr. Quinn. Just looking like a good burger ain't going to get it unless the burger tastes like a good burger. 
525-5683. Now, my Democratic brothers and sisters, don't be mad at me. I know you all want to, I know you all have special interest involved in getting elected. But see, therein lies the problem. If you're not working for the people, then you should not be running for office. We see that problem right now in the White House. That man doesn't give a damn about people. He doesn't care about people. He doesn't care that people are starving. He doesn't care that people don't have health care. He doesn't care that, that children are freezing to death. He doesn't care that we are at the brink of a pandemic. This is what happens when you don't vote. In other news, come on, Lisbeth. Let me see, what is this? So here's an interesting piece that someone just, just posted to me. It says, good morning, good people. I just spent some time reviewing Joe Biden's website so we can begin conversations around our policy demands if he becomes president. There's literally nothing there. I told you. Someone just sent this to me. I already knew. I've already been on his website. All I have to do is listen to him. All Joe Biden is doing is running on the fact that he was Obama's vice president. But when you go back and you look at his record, his record is laced with anti-black agendas. I don't give a damn if he is a, is a Democrat. Many of my friends support him. I've seen riding with Biden everywhere. Please share what you know about his agenda. The policies he supports and his plans for black America. That's what I put. I said, can someone please tell me one thing Joe Biden has done for black people? Okay. Where is he on health care? Where is he on student debt? Where is he on justice reform? Where is he on women's health, education? Climate change, poverty, gun control, SCOTUS and the courts, black men and boys, reparations, Palestinian rights and disability. Those are just a few. This person went on the website and there's nothing on the website that even tells you where his stance is. But he can always come out. See, Bernie Sanders can tell you what his stance is. See, I know what Bernie Sanders' stance is on health care. I know he wants Medicare for all. I know what his stance is on student debt. He wants to relieve student debt. I know what his stance is on criminal justice reform and education and climate change and poverty and gun control and SCOTUS and black men. I don't like his stance on reparations, but at least I know it. Palestinian rights. Here's the mind-boggling thing about Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is Jewish. And just last week, he came out tough against Israel and what's going on with Benjamin Netanyahu. 
I know what his stance is. Joe Biden for decades has voted to give Israel more money, more money, more money, more of your tax dollars. You get that, right? We're currently given, in 2016, if I remember my numbers right, a 10-year piece of legislation, it will give Israel $3.4 billion a year. And that was signed under the Obama administration. Hello? Let me move on. Well, let me do this. Okay. So this this was posted by Charlemagne the God. And, you know, I'm on this, this, this feed right here. I'm looking at it because two young brothers, my son and his, his uncle, posted this. See, this is what I'm telling you. See, young black folks are up on the game here. Here's what they say. And I don't know if they're listening to the show right now, but I got to I got to drop a line to him talking about this right now on the show. Boom. Now, this is a great question, Queen. Tamika Mallory is answering this morning. I told you all over and over, I'm voting for my interests, not individuals. Voting for policies, not personalities. What is Joe Biden's agenda for the black community? The architect of the 86 crack laws and the 94 crime bill has to have some plans in place to help the same community he once hurt. I mean, he was vice president of the first black president. He won South Carolina because of the endorsement of old, uh, old guard Jim Clyburn, a black man. And 61% of black voters showed up for him. He had a great Super Tuesday because of his support for black voters in the South, from black voters in the South. So if it's anyone who should be listening to black people right now and crafting a black agenda, it's him and his campaign. Follow the lead of his former competition. Biden shouldn't just take Bloomberg's money, he should adopt his economic plan for black America as well. He should look into Mayor Pete's Douglas plan and the black agenda from Black Futures Lab. Not to mention, I would love to see him pick a black woman to be his running mate. Joe Biden and his team owe everything to black people right now. So if he wants to energize young black voters and brothers like me to vote for him, then he has to give me a reason to vote for him other than fear and familiarity. The moral of the story is black people have incredible voting power and the days of just giving that away are over. Basically, what I'm saying is stop letting these white folks come to your cookout, your churches, your synagogues, your mosque, empty-handed, but letting them leave 
with all the to-go plates. Let's discuss, Biden supporters. Talk to me. That's all I want. I just want to know. You see, as I told you earlier, and I don't mean to make make this long, and I don't mean to spend this much time on this, but the reason it is is because this is so important for black people. I will tell you that this election, and I've been saying this now for a year, is the most important election that I have ever faced in my lifetime as a voter. And if black people don't get it right, Here's the opportunity to prove the power of your black vote. You just heard me read 61% of black voters voted for Joe Biden in South Carolina. If it's not for that, Joe Biden doesn't win Super Tuesday. And that happened all across the South. Black voters came out hook, line, and sinker for Joe Biden. Now, nobody out there, and I've asked this question this entire week, no one out there can give me an answer as to what policies Joe Biden has for black people. If black people are voting for you in those types of numbers, you ought to have something for the brothers and the sisters and the homies and the OGs instead of a smile and a wave. But in your mind... You're thinking, oh, those are just some dumb folks. I lock up their babies, and they still vote for me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Whew. This is frustrating. And I'm not frustrated with Biden. I'm frustrating with my people. Because until we stop falling for the okie doke, they're going to keep putting the banana in the tailpipe. And we all going to jump out and we're going to run back to our tailpipe. And while we're looking at our tailpipe, they're going to run and jump in our cars and drive off. You know what's that? That's the banana in the tailpipe thing, right? It's time to get serious. You see, I've been serious. I've been serious about our people all my life. You're right, Tanya. Bernie did vote for that crime bill. You're exactly right. So did the, so did the Congressional Black Caucus. But here's one thing that Bernie didn't do. Bernie didn't fashion the, time, the, the, the crime bill. Bernie didn't, Bernie, not only that, Bernie didn't go around saying that he doesn't want his children to be going to a desegregated jungle as Joe Biden did. Bernie didn't coalesce with white segregationists to kill integration. So if we're going to match faults and we're going to say who's the worst, Biden is still the worst. But again, I'm going to ask you the question. Let's go to his website because that's the only place we can go. What? Biden has already said he's not for Medicare for all. We know that. 
Look at the big money that is, look at the, 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 the money that has come from pharmaceuticals and the medical profession for Biden all of a sudden. Because guess what? Biden isn't for Medicare for all. Because see, once you say Medicare for all and you take the money-making aspect out of medicine, then people can go get health care. We, we know what Bernie is on student debt. We understand and economists have already said that part of the reason that the economy is struggling is because those people who are graduating with degrees are graduating with too much student debt. So in the past 20, 30 years ago, what they were doing is you got out of college, you married, and you built a home, and you started businesses, or you bought a home. Now many people who are graduating from college are delaying buying a home and delaying marriage because of their student debt. You're exactly right. Biden is riding the pop. Look, as I said earlier, I love. I, look, I appreciate George Springer, but the the campaign that she was running is that hey, I work with John Walker. That wasn't good enough for me. The same thing Biden is saying is hey. I was, I was with your boy Obama. But 30 years prior, he wouldn't have wanted his children to go to school with President Obama. What about criminal justice reform? You would tend to believe that Joe Biden was really for criminal justice reform because part of the reason that black people are in the predicament that they are with criminal justice is because of Joe Biden. You think he would be leading with that issue? You think he would be saying, hey, look, that, 19, that 1994 crime bill, that thing was onerous. In retrospect, I look back and say, boy, what a huge mistake I made. So here's how I'm going to correct those mistakes. When I become president, I'm going to demand that anyone that is in prison, based on that 1994 crime bill, I'm going to demand that their sentences be commuted. I'm going to not only commute their sentences, but I'm going to expunge their records. Will Biden do that? He ought to be leading with that. The only thing I've heard Biden lead with is that soon as the, my number one priority getting into office is LGBT rights. The number one crisis that we're facing, not just in this country, but in the world, is climate change. If you don't think the climate is changing, you are a damn fool. He ought to be leading with that. But if you went back and checked his record, how many, how many licenses that he vote on to give oil and gas and fossil fuels? How many, how many subsidies did Biden vote on that gave subsidies to oil and gas? Oh, and let's not forget about the Supreme Court. See, we've forgotten. Some of you all are not old enough to remember Anita Hill and how Biden dogged this woman, this black woman. All of you are out here talking about support, support our black sisters. Well, go back and look what Joe Biden did to Anita Hill. And even today, Anita Hill refuses to accept his apology because what Joe Biden did was misogynistic and sexist and racist to this black woman. Hello? Y'all talk to me. 
Let's have an honest debate about politics. Let's have an honest debate about who is the better candidate because we are still caught up and just because a white man can smile at us, that makes us okay. That dog don't hunt with me, man. We are in a critical junction in our lives as it relates to elections. And if we don't get serious, we, and I say we as not just black folks, I'm talking about people like you who make the same money that I make, that, that can't go to these fancy clubs. All of us are in the same boat. I'm going to go back to that statistic. 1978. Since 1978, corporate America CEOs' salaries has risen 597% since 1978. Only 5.7% for regular Joe Blows like you and I. There's something wrong with that. Has Biden said he's going to make $15 mandatory minimum wage, federal minimum wage? In fact, what has Biden said on that? Palestinian rights where American dollars and bombs are killing innocent women and children? Our bullets are killing innocent women and children? And Biden has been lock, stock, and barrel with the Israeli lobby and APAC? What has he said on that? Reparations. You know how I feel about reparations. There isn't an argument what a white man can make or anybody can make that black people don't deserve reparations in this country. What has Biden said on that? After all, black people are supporting you hook, line, and sinker. Wouldn't you say, hey, let me go and revisit this reparations thing? Because after all, the people that are supporting me, they are demanding it. What has Biden said about that? I'm just asking, folks. It's time for us to have a serious conversation. We need a change. The Republicans got a change, but it wasn't what they were hoping. They got an idiot. Those same winds of change are blowing in the Democratic Party and across this country. In fact, if it were up to me, we need a complete change from Democrats and Republicans. We need a new party. That is why I'm hoping Elizabeth Warren coalesces behind Bernie Sanders. And they decide that, hey, we are going to start a different party. We need a change in this country. And it's not a politician who simply says, I'm going to change. We need actions. We need people who are going to put their money where their mouths are. We need people that's going to not tell you to dig a ditch, but it's going to come out and help you dig that ditch. We need truth. And it's time for the American people to start demanding truth. That's all I'm about. Hey, I get truth all the time. Hell, sometimes it hurts. Oh, man, that hurt. But I take that truth and I try to build a better life. We need truth from our politicians. There, it is no more just simply voting for someone because you like them. It is no more voting for someone because they're the same color as you are. 
How does it affect my pocketbook? And anyone who believes that not voting is not going to affect any one way or other, you're a fool, man. That's exactly what they're doing. Look, people in Houston, there was a guy who stood in line for six hours in Houston. Texas has been one of those states that has done everything it could to suppress black voters. This brother stood in line for six hours. If your vote wasn't important, why did that brother stand in line for six hours? He ended up voting at 1.30 a.m. on Wednesday morning, my brothers and sisters, but they tell you your vote doesn't matter. You have black people out here saying your vote doesn't matter. You have black people out here saying, I'm not going to vote. It's not going to change my life. If it wasn't going to change your life, why is it that so many racist and white people Number one, are doing so many things to keep you from voting. And then number two, why are they voting overwhelmingly? <laughs> this isn't hard, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. This is basic math. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't even algebra one. It's not even algebra two. This is basic math that we are afraid to even take the damn test. Mm. I'm just saying. No, Tanya. Biden is not going to do that because he would piss off white voters. I'm assuming you're talking about reparations. But see, that's what a leader does. A leader is not concerned about how people feel about him or her. A leader does what's right. And then he makes the argument to support that rightness. He doesn't stick his finger in his mouth and stick it up in the air and say, oh, the wind is blowing north by northwest, so I've got to go north by northwest. That's not leadership, folks. We, be, we, we don't understand what leadership. I want a leader. I don't want you to say everything I want to hear. But what I do want you to do is stand for what's right. I think if anybody says that, you know, I was watching Willie T. Ribs this morning. And if you haven't seen it, go out and watch Uppity. And the last part of it, the last, the, the, the last part when Willie T. Ribs finally qualified in 1991, for the first black man to qualify for the Indianapolis 500, all of those white men, all of those white men who have ran interference to keep him from driving, when he finally qualified on the very last day, and the very last chance that he had to qualify, when he came down pit row, every one of them applauded him because they knew he stood for what was right. And that's all I need you to do. That's all I need a politician to do. I don't need you to give me any special favors. I just want you to stand for what's right. I want you to fight racism because that's what's right. I want you to support people who are having catastrophic illnesses because that's what's right. I want you to support students who are going to be the future of this country, who are going in debt, in hock, so that they can get degrees where they can't even get jobs. Oh, my Lord. I want you to support criminal justice reform 
because it is your criminal justice system who incarcerates more people in America than the history of the world. And many of them are black. That's all I want you to do. That ain't hard. Whew. I got to get out of here. Some of the stuff that we didn't even cover, we didn't even talk about the, the Church of England being sorry for being deeply institutionally racist for the last 70 years. No, my brothers and sisters, they've been deeply, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow. They've been deeply institutional racist from their inception when they took the Bible and they made it a white book instead of a black book. Hello. Hello. We'll get into that tomorrow, and we, we definitely will follow up on this this tete-a-tete with Schumer and Chief Justice. What a hypocrite. I might as well leave with this quote by Dr. King. First of all, I must confess that over the past few years, I have, grave, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly say, I agree with you in your goals and what you seek. But I cannot agree with your methods of direct action. Who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom. Who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. Y'all have a great day. I wish you peace, love, and soul. You've been listening to Black Focus, where we discuss our issues with our solutions and our voices. Join us every weekday afternoon at 1 p.m. on joinetradio.com.